Ephesians. Uh, we are going to continue our study of Ephesians. Uh, we are coming up on the last month of, of the book. And so um, it, it's been a journey. It's been very much of a journey. Um, we are now all the way through chapter 4. And we're jumping into chapter 5 today. But just to kind of backtrack a little bit, chapter 4 had lots of... It, it pushed us. It had lots of information. It had lots of calls to, to get busy and to, to get to work. And so three weeks ago, before Father's Day, we, we covered the first half of chapter 4. And Paul charged the church to work together as a unit. We, we've talked about this over and over again over forever. But Paul was calling them to walk together as a unit. You are a church. We are a global church of Jesus Christ. But here at Highland, we are a church body. We are many parts with one mission, serving one God. And so Paul was, was pushing us towards that. We're together. We, we have the same goals. We should have the same goals. We should be pointing people to Jesus Christ. And in everything that we do, in even these fundraisers, we get to do the Collide fundraisers. Collide, thank you for my water this morning. I forgot to pay y'all. I'll get you later. But we do these fundraisers because then it gets to where we get to fund events. And then when we do events, our kids invite their friends and the friends come into the church and then they get to learn about Jesus. And so it, it seems like a fun, you know, deal for us to do, but, but it has a purpose. It has a purpose because we are working together as an entire body to fundraise for Collide so that they can teach kids about Jesus. Because that's what they're called to do. So then last week, we got to the second half of chapter 4, and we talked about what it looks like when we live our lives for Christ. When you live a life that shows Christ in everything that you do, people will take notice. People will notice the, a difference in the way you speak to your coworkers or speak to your friends or speak to your children. It, it'll, it'll be noticeable when we are walking with Jesus and living a life that reflects him. This is the key to understanding the gospel because if we're, we're walking around bitter or upset or angry or we miss that connection that we get to have with people. And so Paul calls us to walk like Christ because people aren't going to respond well if we're no different than the world. People aren't going to respond well if we're just as angry or upset or frustrated or bitter as the world is. So we're called to a different plane. And we're going to see that again today in Ephesians chapter 5. And so, as always, when we, when we get to a, a new section and it starts like this, we have to go back. So we have verse 1 that says, therefore. So where are we coming from? So I'm going to backtrack one verse. Chapter 4, verse 32. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So that's where we came from. Now here we go. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So again, we, we knew where we were coming from. We, we knew that we were called to be tenderhearted and forgiving and to walk a life that reflects the life that Jesus walked, to, to reflect the, the love that God has shown us. We are called to do that. So therefore... In order to do that, we must imitate Christ. If we're going to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving, it's not going to come from our own human nature. 
Because our own human nature, at least mine, I can speak for me, but I think, my understanding is, our human nature is greedy and selfish and angry and bitter, and if that's how we walk, we are not walking like Christ. And so if we're going to be imitators of God, we have to walk in love. We have to walk in, in, in giving ourselves up and following the directions that he followed. If we're going to be imitators of Christ, we have to show love and we have to show forgiveness. We have to stand up for what's right. We have to continue to love people. The ultimate example of love is what Christ did for us so many years ago. It's this, this wonderful example that we get to share in later of, of Jesus giving his life for us. And, and so we see that, and we see this, this ultimate gift that, that Jesus gave us, and that this love that we received so many years ago, through Jesus dying on the cross, and all because he had this, the truest, most genuine form of love, and that's God. That, that's the love that God has shown us, and he gave it so freely to us by sending his son. And so we look at this and we think, well, you know, if we're going to live a life like Jesus, he, he went all the way. He, he literally laid down his life. And so as I got to thinking about this this week, I came across this quote from David Guzik, who is a, uh, a well-known pastor and theologian. And he had this quote, and it, and it really stuck with me. He says, we often think we could lay down our lives in a dramatic way to show our love for others. But God often calls us to lay down our life little by little in small coins, as it were, instead of one large payment. It is laying down our lives nonetheless. It's not this, this big, dramatic, I'm going to go and, and, and give my life and, and everything's going to be gone. It, it's little ways that we, in our everyday lives, give ourselves. It's the way that we love people, the way that we show compassion, the way that we show humility in situations where it, it's so hard to be humble. It's the way that we show kindness towards those that we might not ever see again. Everyday decisions to love people, to make sacrifices, to go out of our way for someone can be just as impactful as one large, grand movement. Because if we're doing it every day, those things add up. Our life adds up. To, to be this representation of what Jesus has called us to do. He continues on, verses 3 and 4, But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetedness must not be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So once again, Paul gets to the do-nots. We, we, we've had lots of do this, follow this direction, understand this process, see what Jesus is pointing you to. So we heard all of those. We heard not to walk like the Gentiles, to keep our words pleasing, to stand in unity with Christ, rely on the strength of the Lord, and to maintain a thankfulness to the Lord. We, we've heard the, this is what you should do. Now we hear the what not to do. It says, stay away from sexual immorality and impurities, covetousness, filthy and foolish talk, cruel jokes. Stay away from words that will go against the love God has shown us 
and will jeopardize our ability to share the gospel to people later. So I, I spent years working in restaurants, and um, I, I worked adjacent to a mechanic shop, and um, they can be rough places. A, a restaurant kitchen can be a very rough place to go. I, I read this and, you know, the, the filthy talk and the crude jokes. It's like, yeah, that was all day, every day. And it's easy for us to slip into this, this same mindset as the people that we surround ourselves with, especially when we really don't have a say in who we surround ourselves with, such as at work. And so if we're going to set ourselves apart, if we're going to, to set ourselves away from the world and, and position ourselves as imitators of Christ, this can't be how we're described. He tells us, it, it, this cannot be named among you as is proper among the saints. People can't point to you and say, but you said this, or you made this joke, or you made this nasty comment. Because if we're going to live the life that imitates Christ, we, we can't fall into what the world does. We can dig a spiritual ditch really, really quick if we're not careful. One off-the-wall comment leads to an inappropriate joke, which leads to more jokes, which then leads to something that crosses the line. And this, is, this happens, this has happened to me, this might have happened to some of y'all, but it can happen really, really fast. They call it a slippery slope for a reason, because it takes just one joke or one comment or one thought, and now here we are, separated from what we are called to do. If we are not careful, we will completely destroy our testimony with those who we are trying to take the gospel to. If we are not careful, we will completely destroy any, any evidence we have ever shown of living a life for Christ with filthy talk or foolish talk or crude jokes. It will destroy everything that we have worked through Christ to build. Paul continues to show us what this mindset truly means. In verse 5, he says this, For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an adulterer, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So let's make this really clear. Salvation is not lost due to sin. Sin happens. Sin is our human nature. Sin is a part of who we are. What Paul is saying here is that if you are proactively living in sin, if you are proactively living in sexual immorality or, or in a, an idolatry or adultery or whatever it is, that if you were continuing to live in that sin, you had never truly given your life to Jesus. If you were filled with Christ, if you were fleeing from sin, you were fleeing from this, this impurity, from this idolatry, you wouldn't be caught in it. Sin happens. Sin is something that happens in our lives. We all understand that. But if it's continuing and over and over again and we're living a life where we choose sin over Jesus, we never truly had Jesus. The kingdom of God is not for those who stay in sin and choose sin over God. 
He breaks it down a little further. Let no one deceive you with empty words for the house. Oh, I'm, excuse me. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all of the good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul now goes after the false teachers of the time, because again, they're surrounded by this community who has worshipped this, this god or goddess of Artemis. And they're, they're being told to, to build these gold statues and to hold these possessions and, and live your true self. Live your truth. Live your happiness. So there was a huge push during this time for personal fulfillment. And what Paul is saying is, I know that that's starting to creep into the church. I know that that's starting to creep into your mindset. It's creeping into your lives at work and in the market or whatever you're doing. It's starting to creep into your lives and it's visible. So what we need to do is we need to call on God for discernment. These things, according to Paul, were just empty words. It was meaningless, false, just complete nonsense. And these words would someday face the wrath of God. He even says as far as as turning away from these teachers and not involving yourselves with them. Cutting ties. But there is a reason. He says, because they were once, because you were once in the same darkness. We walked in this darkness, even if we didn't realize it, even if it was when we were were young and, and before we came to faith, we walked in the same darkness. Ours might have looked different. Ours might have felt different. But it was still darkness. And so while we grow and we evolve, we must turn away from the falsehoods and turn towards truth. Leave that dead, dark life that we once had and be the light. Leave that nonsense that that we, we turn to Jesus for a reason. We turn to Jesus for a specific purpose. We came to realize that we had emptiness and darkness in our hearts. And we turned to Jesus. And so when we decide to then go and follow these false teachers and these people that are putting out these false truths, that that are telling you to follow your heart and, 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 and follow the world and go after what your heart desires, that's darkness. Because if we are going to follow Jesus, he is going to call us to follow his heart. He's going to call us to follow what he has called us to do. He's going to call us what to follow what is best for us, whether we realize it or not. I never realized that me being fired from a job would be what was best for me. But God proved that over and over and over again after it happened. Because with that job, I was falling into darkness. In that industry, I was falling into darkness over and over and over again. And the moment I was able to... to I say remove myself. Once I was removed from that situation, God opened up so many more doors. He opened up so many different opportunities and different ministry opportunities that I never would have had if I was stuck in that same mindset that I carried over and over again every day. This light that he calls us to is what produces fruit. 
And that fruit that it produces is us leading more people to Christ, creating new disciples and helping them grow in their faith over and over again. That's the fruit that we should be looking for. He continues on, verse 11, Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. If we're not careful, we can take this verse a touch too far. This correction, this, this exposure that he calls us to is limited to those who believe, say they believe what we believe, who say they teach what we believe, but then stand against the truth. They, they, they present this false gospel. They, they pre- present false teachings. That's who we're called to expose. This exposure is not for those who, who do not follow Christ, that, that do not stand with the same principles and the beliefs that we have. Would we love for them to follow those principles? Absolutely. If you want somebody that, that does not walk with Jesus to follow in the same morals and principles that we do, lead them to Jesus. Because we get into this expectation that the world is required to follow our morality, and that's never going to happen. So we spend all of this time correcting and, and going after, and how dare you, and that's not for us to do. That is for God to take care of. If they choose to continue to not walk with Jesus, that's between them and God. What we are called to do is point them to Jesus, to live a life that points them to the love that Jesus has shown us, to point them to who God truly is, and then God will situate the rest. Because I don't know if you know this, but, but this is something that has been told to me over and over and again for many, many years. I will never save anyone. You will never save anyone. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to lead people to Jesus, and Jesus saves them. We can be involved, we can present the gospel to them, we can pray the prayer with them, and we can get up in the baptistry and baptize them. But at no point in any of that process did we save them. That is for God and God alone to do. In the same way, that correction is for God to do. Now, if I get up here and I, and I go off on some tangent that is just completely non-scriptural, come and talk to me. Because you were called to stand in correction of those who present a false gospel. And I spend many, many hours a week going through scripture and, and reading commentaries and having conversations to make sure that whenever I open my mouth, that I am doing so with the authority of Scripture. And that's it. We are not called to expose or to pressure or to throw fits or to do anything to those who do not walk with Christ. That's between them and God. He continues on, verse 12. For it is a shame to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The thing about false teachers is that 
what they believe and what they say are very different. And when, when they live these different lives that are separated by what I say and what I do, there are secrets. There, there is a life of sin that we do not see. And so what he's saying here is that one of these days, this sin is going to come to light. The, the sin is going to be exposed because sin is always exposed. This is because when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. But again, that's not for us to do. God will shine that light and God will expose what is happening. What is done in secret will be shown. If we spend our time consuming garbage and allowing for it to overtake our hearts and our minds, and we step into the world, that will be exposed. It will be exposed by what we say and how we act. If we spend our time in the dark and we spend it in Scripture and we spend it in prayer and we spend it in time thanking God for everything He's provided for us, because this is what Paul explains that we should do when we're exposed by light, it's just going to be more Jesus. When we're exposed by light, they're just going to go, man, this is just a boring Christian living a very boring Christian life. And that's okay. That's okay for us to do. Because what we do in secret will be exposed in the light. So there's three things that he pulls from, from this scripture. There's three things that we can pull from this scripture that Paul lays out. The first one being, we need to live a life that imitates Christ. That was the point last week. That was one of the points last week. That's one of the points this week. It, it, it's going to be one of the points again before we get done with Ephesians. Because if we're going to live a Christian life, if we're going to continue to pursue Jesus, we must imitate the way that he lived his life. We, we go back to the examples of the time that, that, that Jesus got frustrated and went and flipped tables. But those were people who were in the faith saying, it was okay to, to come here and change your money and buy these things and do these. And they had made God's house into a place of, of profit. And, and so we go, well, well, Jesus got mad. Well, Jesus got mad at a situation. He got frustrated at a situation if that's the only situation we're going to focus on, that is not the right mindset for us to carry. We must think about the time that, that Jesus wept when his friend died or, or when he went out of his way to, to speak to somebody and share the faith and when he went and spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well that he culturally should not have been talking to. Those are the things we need to imitate of Christ. The love that he showed, the humility that he showed, the hanging on the cross and thinking about you. The hanging on the cross and the most pain that really any of us could probably imagine. And he's offering salvation to the guy next to him. That's what he means by we must imitate the life of Christ. It's not going to be easy. It will not be easy. It, will, it is a very difficult thing to do to wake up every day and to choose this life over and over again. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to love people who are hard to love. But we must live a life that imitates Christ no matter what. 
The second one, steer clear of false teaching. This is very hard in 2023. Because most of us have a Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever it is that we have. And we are constantly seeing things over and over again. And there are times that pastors or guys who are, are, they'll grab a Bible and they'll sit in front of a camera and they'll tell you what they think it's saying. But we have to be careful of what we are consuming. We have to steer clear of this false teaching. We have to work with a, with a, a, a some sort of discernment. A discernment that only comes from Jesus. And when we take this scripture that these people are putting out there and we compare it to, to what the scripture actually says and we compare it to um, other commentaries or other have conversations with people, we must make sure that what we are consuming truly aligns with the authority of scripture. Because quickly we can fall down a rabbit hole where we can make scripture say whatever we want it to say. If we try hard enough, we can make scripture say whatever we want it to say. We must rely on God to provide a discernment that we are not being led astray in what we consume. And finally, darkness will be exposed by light. When we think about this and we think about this this understanding, for some of us that might be terrifying. But the great part about this is, is that what we do in darkness... Like it says, we'll be exposed in light. But we have an opportunity to give up that darkness. We have an opportunity to continue to pursue Jesus and continue to pursue the light that he's called us to. If there's an aspect of your life that you're living in darkness right now, you can give that to Jesus. And it might still come to light, and that's okay. Because we make mistakes. There might be something that comes to light that we go, you know what, that was me. That was my former self. That was the things that I did. There's been times in my lives where I've had to, in my life, excuse me, that I've had to give up things because they were a detriment to my health and to my marriage and to my everything. When, when I left Lubbock, Texas, I, I left uh, as a server and a bartender and a restaurant manager, and I came back to Clovis and I searched for a restaurant I could work in that did not have alcohol. Because my life had become surrounded by alcohol and consuming alcohol and doing everything but doing it in darkness. I was pursuing this life that was, that was in, you know, enjoying my time bartending and it was so fun and all of these. And then I get to the point where my marriage is miserable. My, my mother-in-law passes we have a brand new baby, and I'm pretty sure my wife doesn't like me anymore. So when I came back, I made a conscious effort. I, God, I need you to give me a place that I can remove myself from this situation. And he did. And I worked at Cotton Patch for many, many years. But we must make a conscious effort to give those things to God. I have to continue to make a conscious effort to give that, th- that to God. When we go out and we, you know, we see a drink menu, it's like, man, that would be great. But I've given that to God. It, it was, it was, it's fun. It's, it's all of these things that the world promises. 
But if I'm going to live a life that imitates Christ, I must give the things to Him that if it was exposed by light, would be detrimental to the mission. If there is something in your life that is, that is darkness, that, that is being done in darkness, I urge you to give it to Jesus. I urge you to give it to Him. Because keeping that to yourself and keeping these secrets and holding on to it and saying, I, I, can, I can handle this, we can't. We can't do it. We must give it to God.